Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. You know, that gives me an opportunity to say, don't touch. This has been broken twice with people up here playing with it. Parents, let's make sure kids don't do that. I would hate to turn the camera on and try to catch people in progress. Um, and when you come up here to read scripture or lead prayer, don't touch it. Don't pull it down. If you're Owen, it'll get you. If you're Ron Murray, it'll get you. And anybody in between. So that's a good thing. Just don't touch. And Jack, make sure that uh, you get your own microphone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Talk to them about your own microphone. I think, I think so. Yeah, there needs to be a jack mic. I agree with that. I, I totally agree with that. Okay. Another one of our Sunday night sit-downs with Preacher Mike. I had, a, I had a plan in mind and then something hit me today just to bring up. Don't know that I want to discuss it. I'll leave it with you. And we can discuss it another time. But it occurred to me today, since we're dealing with persecution. Have we made Christianity too easy? I thought about that today. David is going to speak next week in class and he's going to preach in the morning. I've been there twice and I know what some of those people do just to be able to assemble. I know. I wonder what would happen if we had to go through the same thing. And now we've made it even easier because we're online. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying maybe this idea of talking about persecution will remind us that maybe Christianity has become just a little bit too easy. You think about that for a few minutes and, you know, we'll talk about it sometime maybe. But let's close out our discussion today. I think it is important to answer the question, how can we be persecuted? How do we do it? Now someone might wonder, well, now wait a minute. Don't know that I want that. Well, the text just read had this phrase in verse 40 Hebrews 11, that said that they would not be perfected apart from us. The whole point of persecution is perfection. And if you know the stories, as you do, of Hebrews 11, and all those people who were faithful people of God through the centuries, through the millennia, every one of them face some kind of persecution. And that's why the writer said, so that they wouldn't be perfected apart from us because he's talking to people who themselves would be going through persecution. And that persecution had a purpose behind it. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. Uh, Peter put it this way, after you have suffered for a while, 
You can be perfected, established, and settled. Perfected, established, and settled. There is something about persecution that tests the metal of a person. Like with gold tried in the fire. And if that's part of what perfecting before God is, then maybe, in fact, we have made Christianity too easy. So easy that we're really not being perfected and our impurities aren't being burned out. In whatever way that makes sense, tonight I want to give you some ideas about how to be persecuted. Now the first thing that we need to understand is that all persecution is suffering. But not all suffering is persecution. We all know that when God made the world, He made it perfect. He said in Genesis 1.31, it's very good. I would suggest to you that there was nothing evil and bad and mean and nasty. Now the question arises, could Adam and Eve have cut their finger on a rose bush? I don't know. I mean... Maybe roses never had thorns. Maybe God created roses and put thorns on them after sin came into the world. I don't know. But I know this. When he said it was very good, I believe him. He said it was very good. But then I also know, according to Romans 8 and verse 22, that the whole creation is suffering. The whole thing. It's, it's given a, a personification in, as though the earth itself is human. The text says that the earth is suffering. So all suffering is a result of sin. Every, every bit of suffering. Now, maybe not directly the result of sin, but certainly the result of sin when it came into the world. All suffering is the result of sin. But not all persecution well I me back up all suffering and persecution they're not always the same every time you see persecution I remember as a kid when I thought I found I found this verse in the book of Acts where the disciples were beaten Acts chapter 4 and they were put in prison and then they were let out And the Bible says that they were glad to have suffered for his name. And I remember one time my dad disciplined me for something that I didn't think he was right to do. And I could say in my head, I am glad to suffer shame for his name. As though I were just persecuted from having failed him, but not failed God, you know. So the idea that says all persecution is suffering, that's right. But just because you suffer doesn't mean you're being persecuted. Because persecution is an attack on faith. Persecution is an attack on faith. Persecution says, okay, 
You are this person, and I'm going to attack you because of it. Now, we also looked this morning at 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, that all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. When we think of persecution, we always think of threatenings, imprisonment, confiscation of property, and even death. And so we think, okay, if I have to be persecuted in order to be godly, I guess I'm not godly. Because I've never been threatened with prison. Nobody's ever taken my stuff because I was a Christian, and nobody's threatened to kill me because I'm a Christian. And so we get, I think, a misunderstanding of the concept of persecution when we limit it to that. I think you have been and I have been. I don't want to compare our types of persecution. I don't want us to think, well, I've had it just as bad as they did. In physical terms, I don't want to live in the first century and go through that persecution. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. So I'm not saying that my persecution is anything like theirs, but to say that we've never been persecuted and therefore we can't be godly, I don't think is right either. Let me give you an example. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 14. Paul was told he could not speak to the Gentiles about his faith, about salvation. It is possible... It is possible, and I probably you have in some case, or at least you know people, that have been persecuted by saying, you're not going to bring that up here. You're not going to talk about God here. You're not going to be advocating for the things of God. If you've ever been told, you cannot talk about that here, that's being persecuted for your faith. Maybe at school, Maybe in a club. Maybe in a setting at your work where they won't even allow you to find a way to do it. If people say, you're not going to talk about Jesus here, that's a form of persecution. And what that says is they know that you are a person who talks about Jesus. I believe that people are afraid of Jesus. That's what I think. I think that instead of saying that he doesn't exist, I think they're just afraid of him. Because if they grant he is who he says he is, then they have to change who they are. So I think it's possible to be persecuted if you've ever been told... You're not going to say that here. You're not going to talk about that here. We're not allowing that. Number two, it is a form of persecution that probably every one of us has had or can think of someone who has. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 4, where he says that they accuse you of something they accuse you of something. Maybe when Christians are accused of being insurrectionists because we don't support the government 
in whatever way that violates the message of God. That's a form of persecution. When we are labeled as people who cause trouble, that's a form of persecution. In, in the book of Acts, chapter 17, it is said of those disciples, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. When Christian people are accused of being the problem, when they are accused of stopping progress, when they are accused of not supporting things that people support, that's a form of persecution. And it's because, again, I think they're afraid of the outcome if Christians are permitted to continue. So if you've ever been in a situation where you've been accused, whether individually or as a part of a group, and <laughs> the truth of the matter is, there are times when you can't even listen to news or those even television shows or movies where the concept of Christianity is just ridiculed. Third, first Peter three and verse 16, when they try to smear your name just because you're a Christian. Maybe you're in a, a group and they don't like the Christian stance that you have and they would say something like, oh, don't listen to them, they're just a Christian. When they're smearing your name and speaking evil of you because you have a faith, you have a grounding, you have conviction, and that's who you are, that's persecution. That's the kind of persecution that we're going to face. We're probably not, at least I pray, and maybe I shouldn't, maybe, maybe I should not pray that we not face potential jail time. Maybe, maybe the revealing factor of that kind of persecution would be good for the church. I don't know. But the human part of me says, I don't want to live in a country that threatens to put me in jail because I'm a Christian. We pray often in public, thank you, Lord, for the freedom to gather as we see fit. And I am totally on board with that. But it is possible, and not only that, likely, that every one of us have faced or known of or been in the presence of that kind of persecution. And so when, when Paul said, if you're going to be godly, you're going to suffer persecution, don't just relate it to being imprisoned. Related to those kinds of things, and all of a sudden, it puts a whole different meaning on the concept of being persecuted today in our country. So, let me give you some practical ways to be persecuted. I mean, if we decide that, yeah, Part of godliness is suffering that persecution. I'm going to give you three practical ways to make it happen. Doesn't that sound strange? <laughs> really? Okay, just write these down. I'm going to show you how to be persecuted. Now, first of all, 
I don't think we should beg to be mistreated. I'm not talking about that. I don't think we should intentionally go out there and put ourselves at physical harm just to create something because that ends up looking like what we call in psychological terms the martyr complex. And in the martyr complex, it's more about you. It's not about, it's more about what I want. It's not about the thing for which I stand. It's wanting to be seen. The martyr complex says, look at me. But a persecuted Christian is saying, look at God. And there's your difference. So, though I don't want us to run and in, insist that people mistreat us, I also don't want us to run away from it. I don't want us to make decisions about what we're going to do simply on what can we do to avoid upsetting people? What can we do so that people won't speak evil of us? What can we do so that they won't mock us? What can we do so that they won't abuse us or accuse us? I don't want to look to be mistreated, but I also don't want to make all of my decisions simply to avoid it. So what is the proper way as a Christian to think about being persecuted? Let me share what I think Scripture to me teaches. Number one, be who you say you are. Just be who you are. We are people, 1 Peter 4, who wear the name of Christ. We are Christians. Don't be afraid to announce that you're a Christian. Don't be ashamed to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Take it on as a badge of honor. It's a name that God gave us. Now, there are some people, I admit, I've met two or three in my lifetime who don't like the name they were given by their parents. I can think of one or two. But almost everybody appreciates the name that they were given. In fact, they will correct you if you mispronounce it or if you misspell it. Right here in this congregation in the years I've been here, there are people who say, it's Brian with an I. Or, it's Brian with a Y. <laughs> because it's their name. Which one's right? Both of them. Because that's their name. I think we are proud of our names. We should be proud of the name Christian. To do that, we can't claim to be something that we are not. In Romans chapter 14, verse 16, Paul was writing there, and he was talking about the discussion they were having there about eating meat bought in a marketplace that might have been used in idol worship versus avoid that by eating only vegetables. And Paul said, I'm not going to override the faith of anybody. I don't want to be that way. You know, I can be hypocritical 
based on who I am and damage that name. Or I can be so mean in that name and overlook people in that name that I do damage. And that's not the kind of persecution you want. But if you stand up and you simply admit, yes, I'm a Christian, what do you want to say about that? I, I am. And I unashamedly am a child of God. I'm a Christian. Don't run from that name. But I'm going to tell you something. There are going to be people when you say, yes, I'm a Christian. They're going to have something ugly to say. It's been my experience that a lot of the ugly that they say is because they've had bad interactions with Christians. They've had interactions with people who claim to be Christians, but they're really not living right. So I'm telling you, if you want to have real persecution, you want to put yourself in a situation where persecution is likely and where your godliness will be on display, be who you say you are everywhere, all the time, no matter what. And when you do that, you're going to face some of that persecution. That's just, I think that's absolute. Number two, stand up. Now, you say you're who you are, so stand up. There are going to be opportunities when you're going to have a chance to stand up. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 in verse 13, Hold fast to the doctrine that I delivered to you. Stand up for what you know is true and don't back down. Those of you in high school, when you're being challenged in your class on moral issues of our day, like the abortion discussion, the, the homosexual lifestyle, when you're being challenged in all kinds of these ways, you don't have to be mean and nasty, but you don't want to run from it either. Stand up and say, no, I don't believe in that. I stand on the Bible. And I'm standing here. This is who I am. You stand there. Because that's who you are. And stand with people who are being persecuted. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's writing about the church as a body. And one of the things he says is, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with him. If one person in a religious setting, a spiritual concept, whether they are a child of God that you know, or they're just a very religious person, and you don't know if they're actually a baptized believer or not. If they are being confronted, if they are being persecuted, if somebody's working against them, why don't you go stand with them? You don't just stand for yourself, stand for them. We talk about bullying a lot. One of the ways to stop bullying is if people who are good and honest and right people would stand up with that bully and say, okay, you're going to bully them, you're going to bully me too. 
because I'm standing with this person. We need to be people who are willing to stand up. We need to stand. Stand for what we believe in. I'm not saying shove it down people's throats. But I am saying know where you stand. Know your faith. And in knowing that faith, stand there. And you stand with somebody who's being persecuted because of their faith. And if you do that, we're going to face some of that persecution. They're going to slander. They're going to accuse. They're going to be upset. Number three, speak up. Don't be silent. Be able to say. Paul was told that he couldn't talk to the Gentiles anymore. But he did. You can find a way. Some of you will remember the details. I looked for it today and couldn't find it. It happened a number of years ago. In a particular, oh, I remember now. It just now occurred to me what it was I was looking for. I just now got it. Here it is. Owen asked me a minute ago. I was up in my office walking around. He goes, are you thinking? I said, yep, I cannot think unless I'm moving. So I got to walk around. Or talking. See, that's movement. Then I think. Particular high school graduation. The young man who was the valedictorian was going to lead everything with an opening. He was told, you cannot pray. And he wanted to. And most of the kids were very religious people. And he figured out a way to do it. Do you remember? They planned it ahead of time. He sneezed. And the whole group of students said, God bless. And they got it in there. You see, they took an opportunity to make a stand. They, they mentioned the name of God when they were told not to. Speak up. There are all kinds of opportunities to speak up. I've mentioned it before and I recall because it happened back in St. Louis when listening to the local talk radio station and they had a conversation that day about sex prior to marriage. And they were talking about it and it was just as though this is normal. This is life. I mean, we're not even talking about the other side. We're just telling you how to handle it properly. And so I called in. And I said, you all are not handling the other side of this thing at all. And I'd, I'd like to announce my side of it. I said, admittedly, I'm a preacher, but I want to announce my side. Well, go ahead, young man. What do you think? That's 30 plus years ago, so young man fit. And I said, when I married, my wife and I were both virgins. We didn't believe in sex before marriage. And I know a whole bunch of people like that. And it's a much better life and a better way to live, and I'm telling you. That's the other side of things. Furthermore, the Bible clearly says that fornication is a sin. I hung up to listen to their response. And the response was a form of persecution because they said, we appreciate people calling in, but the young man that just called 
doesn't live in the real world. That was a cut. You know, sadly, he's probably right. Sadly, he's probably right. On that topic, I've had a number of conversations with Christian young people. And I've talked a lot to Austin in his ministry. Having more conversations with people who are not only just Christian people, they claim to be members of the Lord's church. And, and sexual activity is just a common practice among them. Maybe that is the real world now. But it's not the real world that God wants. Stand up and speak up. Take an opportunity to stand up and say, we're not doing this. We don't have any choice now because Danny announced it. We have to do a TV program because he put it out there. And I appreciate that. I wanted to do it. We've been sort of working on it behind the scenes. But now I got people asking me, when are we starting the TV program? Thanks a lot. We will. And here's what I'm kicking around. Christians in culture. Because that's what we need to think about. How are we supposed to live in this culture? How do we interact with this culture without becoming a part of the culture? How do we be who we are and stand up and speak up, knowing that persecution is coming anyway? But when it does, it'll perfect us. It'll establish us. It will strengthen us. And it will settle us. That's what Peter said. Lord, we pray for persecution. Maybe that ought to be our prayer. But I know this. Let's all really think about these things and just see what that kind of action in our own personal lives will do, not only for us as individuals, but for the cause of Christ and the church at Richmond. Tonight, if you need the help of us, we gather as a family to offer that help. If you'll come as we stand and sing. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.